It is so good to see all of you today. We appreciate you inviting me to preach the Word today, and we're just thankful for the opportunity to be here with you. I have to say that this church has meant so much to the life of our family, even though we've, we have another home church. In some ways, this feels like home, too, because you, you have influenced us so much, and, and we are grateful for that, and we are very thankful to the Lord for that blessing. Uh, this morning, we'll be looking at something very familiar to you, the 23rd Psalm. If you'll turn to Psalm 23, we will take a look at that for the next few moments. Lord willing, we'll do about half of it this morning, and if you haven't run me off by then, we'll do the other half this afternoon of Psalm 23, the word of the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Our Father, we just cannot be thankful enough for the assurance and the comfort and the peace and the confidence that is found in the 23rd Psalm. We thank you that you have used it to bless our lives through the years, to bless many lives. Father, we just pray today that you, we will see a greater vision of the Lord who is our shepherd and a greater vision of his provision, of his sufficiency, and of our dependence upon him. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 23rd Psalm, possibly the most beloved verse in the Bible, probably the best known uh, chapter in the Bible as well. You can find many people out on the street who aren't even Christians who have heard of at least part of the 23rd Psalm. So it's a well-known, popular piece of scripture that we're looking at today. As we look at the 23rd Psalm, it's six short verses, but there is so much there. We see there a masterpiece throughout. But even if you didn't have the six verses, you could hang so much on a single line in this psalm. The first line, the Lord is my shepherd, says so much to us. The Lord is my shepherd. Who is my shepherd? The Lord. And when we're wanting to find out who it is that provides all of these things to us, we want to take a greater look and a closer look of who the Lord really is. If we're not careful, we can neglect that or forget that. But the Lord, as he is mentioned here, you'll notice, is spelled in all caps. Uh, that's different than when it's spelled in capital L, small O-R-D. It's in all caps. And anytime we see that in the scripture, in all caps, we know that it is referring to the Lord Yahweh. The Lord Yahweh. We find the Lord possibly revealed best. To Moses in Exodus 3, 13 through 15, when Moses has come before the burning bush and he's talking with God and, and God has instructed him that he will be the one to lead his people out of bondage in Egypt. And in verse 13, Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? 
And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus thou shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. And God said moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. The Lord is sending Moses. The Lord comes to us and takes care of us, as we find in the 23rd Psalm. We find there when Moses is looking at this burning bush, he sees a representation or a symbol of the Lord. He sees a presence of the Lord himself. We see that that bush was a symbol of God who burns with like a fire with love and righteousness, yet remains the same and is never consumed. And that is such a picture of who the Lord really is. Again, when we look at that word Lord, when we look at Yahweh, we see a God who is first is eternal. He is timeless. You notice the Lord here didn't say, not I was, not I was who I was, or I will be who I will be, but I am who I am. The Lord is timeless. He is eternal. He has no past. He has no future. He has no beginning. He has no end. He is the beginning and the end. Now, I can't explain that. If you can, I I wish you would help me out when I get finished here because I, I really don't understand that. But we know that the Lord is eternal. He is timeless. He is not bound by time. Whatever we were going through this morning or 10 years ago or 50 years ago, he was there, and he's still there. Whatever we will face in the future, he is already there. So what comfort does that give us to know that it is the Lord who is our shepherd? Not only is the Lord eternal and timeless, but he is self-existent. The Lord has no need of anything. He has no need of anyone. He was not created. The Lord is completely self-existent, self-sufficient. He is the all in all. He is the supremacy. He is our sufficiency. He is the Lord. So that is the Lord that is our shepherd. And we find that not only is the Lord here, I am who I said I am, I am who I am, but we go to the New Testament a step further and we find that Jesus is the great I am, the one that we are here for today. Jesus is the great I am. In John 8:58, he said, Before Abraham was, I am. And that was so scandalous to the Jewish leaders at the time that they picked up rocks to throw him. In Revelation 1.8, he said, I am the Alpha Omega, which is, which was, which is to come. We serve a great Lord, and we have a great Lord who takes care of us. But the Lord is what? The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. What is a shepherd? Well, in those days, and probably in these days too, I don't really know any shepherds, maybe you do, but the shepherd's work was considered to be rather a lowly occupation. He lived out there with those smelly sheep 24-7. He took care of them all the time. It was unending. When he got one job done, they were needing something else. He had to feed them. He had to guide them. He had to protect them. And this may be considered a lowly job, yet the Lord of the universe chose to be our shepherd. I don't know about you, but that is an amazing thing to me that the Lord of the universe would choose to be our shepherd and take care of us in the way that he does. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
You might could say there, I shall not lack. We might say in today's terminology, if the Lord's my shepherd, I don't need anything else. Because he has fulfilled all of my needs. He has provided everything. When we look at sheep, much like ourselves, when we're left to ourselves like sheep are left to themselves, they lack everything. They can't take care of themselves. I've never been around a lot of sheep. I don't know that I've ever been around any sheep, but I've gotten some insight on sheep and how they behave and how they have to be taken care of. And it's pretty interesting when you compare it to this passage. It gives some greater understanding there. They lack everything if they're left to themselves. They cannot take care of themselves. But they have, and we have, a God who is timeless and self-sufficient taking care of them as we have the great shepherd taking care of us. So if we say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, what is it that we shall not want? We see six items here that shows that the Lord is our shepherd and we shall not want because he is our shepherd. He is completely and totally sufficient for us. We completely depend on him. First, we find that I shall not want for rest because in verse 2 we're told, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. Some of you may have read the book by Philip Keller. A shepherd looks at Psalm 23, probably written 30 years ago. Philip Keller was uh, a shepherd. He later became a pastor, and then he later became an author. He had truly taken care of sheep, so he had an understanding of what it was like to be a shepherd. Very interesting book, just a little thin book, probably 85 pages or so. Definitely worth reading. And I was able to gain some insight about the care of sheep through this book. But we're told, I shall not lack rest because he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still water. Now, something that I didn't realize as we work our way through this psalm is it shows a progression of the sheep traveling from one destination to another. In the uh, winter and early spring, we find that the sheep in that time in that area, they live down in the lowlands, plenty of water, green grass, and they live there, like we said, uh, in the winter and early spring. And then in the early spring or to late spring, they started making their way up into the highlands. So let's just kind of keep that in mind that there's a progression here. And, and just kind of keep in mind and try to imagine that we are following these sheep from the lowlands to the highlands because that's the way it worked back then. So kind of keep that in mind as we go through this. But uh, according to Philip Keller, it's almost impossible for sheep to be to made to lie down. Even though we're told he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He said they had to have four requirements before they would lie down. They had to be free from fear. If the sheep were afraid, they would not lie down. They would not rest. They had to be, had to be free from friction from other sheep and um, other people. If there was friction, they would not lie down. Uh, this is interesting. They had to be free from flies and pests. If there's too many bugs, the sheep will not lie down. And they had to be free from hunger. If the sheep are hungry, they will not lie down. They must be free from all of these things to be contented and to lie down. And how interested it is, how interesting I find it that we are a lot the same way. We can rest in Christ because He has done everything for us. We have freedom from fear. Not as a spirit of slavery leading to fear, but a spirit of adoption as sons, according to Romans 8.15. We don't have to fear that God is against us because we know that God is for us because we have been adopted as sons. 
And we can go through the throne of grace, how? Boldly, not timidly, not scared, not nervous, but we can go before the throne of God boldly because we have that peace that comes from having Christ, not a spirit of slavery. So we can rest in Christ because we can be free from fear. We can also be free from friction. Well, I'd like to live like that, wouldn't you? To be free from friction. Uh, that's a tall order. But over in Second Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 18, we're told, And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliations. Now we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Just as the sheep could have freedom from friction because of their shepherd, we can have freedom from friction because of our good shepherd, who has reconciled us first to him. And if he can reconcile us to him, we can certainly be reconciled to one another uh, because we're told to have a ministry of reconciliation. Not only do we have freedom from fear, freedom from friction, well, we have some flies and pests in our own lives too, don't we? We might think of them in terms of the devil who tempts us, who taunts us, who whispers lies in our ears every day and every night. He will not leave us alone. But you know what? Jesus, our good shepherd, has also overcome the devil too. And we have freedom from famine, freedom from hunger. In John 6:35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. So we have freedom from fear. We have freedom from friction, from those flies and pests, and also from famine. So we can have rest. I think sometimes that's what our world needs today more than anything is rest. We run here and we run there and we do this and we do that and sometimes we just like to sit down and rest a while. And we can do that in Christ because of all that he has done and all that he is doing for us. He told us, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you what? Rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight and 30. I shall not lack rest. Not only shall we not lack rest, but we shall not lack life. In verse 3 we're told, my scripture here. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He restoreth my soul. When we think of a soul being restored, we're thinking of something being brought back to life. Something that's giving a new vitality, a new enthusiasm being brought back to life. Uh, Philip Keller used an interesting illustration that sometimes if a sheep would get turned over on his back, and if he turned over in a slight depression on the ground, he couldn't roll back over. He was just helpless, and eventually he would suffocate and die in that position. There was only one way for him to live, and that would be for the good shepherd to come up and turn him back over, and that gave him life. It restored his life. How many of us have not, at some point, been on our backs spiritually? It may be through trouble, it may be through sin, it may be through persecution. So many things that can put us on our backs. But the Good Shepherd comes along and he turns us over and gives us life. Life that is abundant and free, that is truly worth having to live. He restores us. To restore means to return, to turn back. 
We think of one example of being restored. Of course, it's Peter. He denied Christ three times. But yet, who did was Jesus speaking to when he said, I will build my church? He was talking to Peter. At one point, he said, go and get my disciples. And Peter. Peter was restored to life and went on to do great things, possibly preach the greatest evangelical sermon that's ever been preached in, in Acts chapter 2. He was restored and given life. And that's how the Lord does for us. He restores us. He gives us life. And that's of great comfort to me. So we shall not lack rest, and we shall not lack life, and we shall not lack guidance. Because in verse 3, we're told that he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Sheep are foolish creatures. They wander away very easily. They become creatures of habit. If they've just come from a place and they've been there a while, and the place runs out of grass, and the place runs out of water to drink, and they move to a new place where there's plenty of grass and plenty of water, well, their habits tell them to go back to that old place where they'll starve to death and thirst to death. They just are going to wonder. We, like sheep, are going to wonder, but we are given guidance. We don't have to wonder because we always have that guidance from the Word, from the Spirit, from the church that we do not have to wonder. But a good shepherd will move them from field to field to field to find water and find that nourishment that they need. We stray by sinning, but God leads us into righteous path. In Psalm 78:52, well, first let's turn. Well, you don't have to turn, but uh, Isaiah 53, 6 tells us, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. We stray like sheep, but the Lord has laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. He has absorbed that iniquity. He has absorbed that sin. He has absorbed that wrath. And over in Psalm 78:52, we are once again told, But he made his own people to go forth like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock. All of us at some point have probably been in the wilderness of some kind. But it's there that God guides us and takes such good care of us. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack rest. I shall not lack life. And I shall not lack guidance. I hope this morning that each of us sees how much of a great shepherd the Lord is. The Lord is our shepherd king. A true king, as God set up to be a king, is also a shepherd. He's not just a ruler. Our God in heaven is not just a ruler, but he is a shepherd. And I find great comfort in that. We will pick back up uh, in verse 4 this afternoon. Uh, I'll end it here for today.